chapter three part four of the life of washington volume five by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain mr randolph resigns is succeeded by colonel pickering colonel mchenry appointed secretary of war on the nineteenth of august the secretary of state had resigned his place in the administration and some time elapsed before a successor was appointed at length colonel pickering was removed to the department of state and mr mchenry a gentleman who had served in the family of general washington and in the congress prior to the establishment of the existing constitution was appointed to the department of war by the death of mr bradford a vacancy was also produced in the office of attorney-general which was filled by mr lee a gentleman of considerable eminence at the bar and in the legislature of virginia many of those embarrassments in which the government from its institution had been involved were now ended or approaching their termination the opposition to the laws which had so long been made in the western counties of pennsylvania existed no longer treaty with the indians northwest of the ohio on the third of august a definitive treaty was concluded by general wayne with the hostile indians northwest of the ohio by which the destructive and expensive war which had long desolated that frontier was ended in a manner perfectly agreeable to the united states an accommodation had taken place with the powerful tribes of the south also and to preserve peace in that quarter it was only necessary to invest the executive with the means of restraining the incursions which the disorderly inhabitants of the southern frontier frequently made into the indian territory incursions of which murder was often the consequence few subjects had excited more feeling among the people or in the government of the united states than the captivity of their fellow-citizens in algiers even this calamity had been seized as a weapon which might be wielded with some effect against the president overlooking the exertions he had made for the attainment of peace and the liberation of the american captives and regardless of his inability to aid negotiation by the exhibition of force the discontented ascribed the long and painful imprisonment of their unfortunate brethren to a carelessness in the administration respecting their sufferings and to that inexhaustible source of accusation its policy with regard to france and britain treaty with algiers after the failure of several attempts to obtain a peace with the regency of algiers a treaty was at length negotiated on terms which though disadvantageous were the best that could be obtained the exertions of the executive to settle the controversy with spain respecting boundary and to obtain the free use of the mississippi had been 
unavailing a negotiation in which mr short and mr carmichael were employed at madrid had been protracted by artificial delays on the part of the spanish cabinet until those ministers had themselves requested that the commission should be terminated treaty with spain at length spain embarrassed by the war in which she was engaged discovered symptoms of a temper more inclined to conciliation and intimated to the secretary of state through her commissioners at philadelphia that a minister deputed on the special occasion of higher rank than mr short who was a resident would be able to expedite the negotiation on receiving this intimation the president though retaining a high and just confidence in mr short nominated mr pinckney in november seventeen ninety four as envoy extraordinary to his catholic majesty mr pinckney repaired in the following summer to madrid and a treaty was concluded on the twentieth of october in which the claims of the united states on the important points of boundary and the mississippi were fully conceded thus were adjusted so far as depended on the executive all those external difficulties with which the united states had long struggled most of which had originated before the establishment of the existing government and some of which portended calamities that no common share of prudence could have averted meeting of congress although the signature of the treaties with spain and algiers had not been officially announced at the meeting of congress the state of the negotiations with both powers was sufficiently well understood to enable the president with confidence to assure the legislature in his speech at the opening of the session that those negotiations were in a train which promised a happy issue president's speech after expressing his gratification at the prosperous state of american affairs the various favorable events which have been already enumerated were detailed in a succinct statement at the close of which he mentioned the british treaty which though publicly known had not before been communicated officially to the house of representatives this interesting summary of our affairs continued the speech with regard to the powers between whom and the united states controversies have subsisted and with regard also to our indian neighbors with whom we have been in a state of enmity or misunderstanding opens a wide field for consoling and gratifying reflections if by prudence and moderation on every side the extinguishment of all the causes of external discord which have heretofore menaced our tranquillity on terms compatible with our national faith and honor shall be the happy results how firm and how precious a foundation will have been laid for accelerating maturing and establishing the prosperity of our country after presenting an animated picture of the situation of the united states and recommending several objects to the attention of the legislature the president concluded with observing 
temperate discussion of the important subjects that may arise in the course of the session and mutual forbearance where there is a difference in opinion are too obvious and necessary for the peace happiness and welfare of our country to need any recommendation of mine in the senate an address was reported which echoed back the sentiments of the speech in this house of representatives as in the last the party in opposition to the administration had obtained a majority this party was unanimously hostile to the treaty with great britain and it was expected that their answer to the speech of the president would indicate their sentiments on a subject which continued to agitate the whole american people the answer reported by the committee contained a declaration that the confidence of his fellow-citizens in the chief magistrate remained undiminished on a motion to strike out the words importing this sentiment it was averred that the clause asserted an untruth it was not true that the confidence of the people in the president was undiminished by a recent transaction it had been considerably impaired and some gentlemen declared that their own confidence in him was lessened by the friends of the administration the motion was opposed with great zeal and the opinion that the confidence of the people in their chief magistrate remained unshaken was maintained with ardor but they were outnumbered to avoid a direct vote on the proposition it was moved that the address should be recommitted this motion succeeded and two members being added to the committee an answer was reported in which the clause objected to was so modified as to be free from exception that part of the speech which mentioned the treaty with great britain was alluded to in terms which though not directly expressive of disapprobation were sufficiently indicative of the prevailing sentiment early in the month of january the president transmitted to both houses of congress a message accompanying certain communications from the french government which were well calculated to cherish those ardent feelings that prevailed in the legislature it was the fortune of mr monroe to reach paris soon after the death of robespierre and the fall of the jacobins on his reception as the minister of the united states which was public and in the convention he gave free scope to the genuine feelings of his heart and at the same time delivered to the president of that body with his credentials two letters addressed by the secretary of state to the committee of public safety these letters were answers to one written by the committee of safety to the congress of the united states the executive department being the organ through which all foreign intercourse was to be conducted each branch of the legislature had passed a resolution directing this letter to be transmitted to the president with a request that he would cause it to be answered in terms expressive of their friendly dispositions towards the french republic so fervent were the sentiments expressed on this occasion that the convention decreed that the flag of the american and french republics should be united together and suspended in its own hall 
in testimony of eternal union and friendship between the two people to evince the impression made on his mind by this act and the grateful sense of his constituents mr monroe presented to the convention the flag of the united states which he prayed them to accept as a proof of the sensibility with which his country received every act of friendship from its ally and of the pleasure with which it cherished every incident which tended to cement and consolidate the union between the two nations mr Aday succeeds mr fauchet the committee of safety disregarding the provisions of the american constitution although their attention must have been particularly directed to them by the circumstance that the letter to congress was referred by that body to the executive again addressed the legislature in terms adapted to that department of government which superintends its foreign intercourse and expressive among other sentiments of the sensibility with which the french nation had perceived those sympathetic emotions with which the american people had viewed the vicissitudes of her fortune mr aday who was to succeed mr fauchet at philadelphia and who was the bearer of this letter also brought with him the colors of france which he was directed to present to the united states he arrived in the summer but probably in the idea that these communications were to be made by him directly to congress did not announce them to the executive until late in december seventeen ninety six the first day of the new year was named for their reception when the colors were delivered to the president and the letter to congress also was placed in his hands in executing this duty mr aday addressed a speech to the president which in the glowing language of his country represented france as struggling not only for her own liberty but for that of the human race assimilated to or rather identified with free people by the form of her government she saw in them he said only friends and brothers long accustomed to regard the american people as her most faithful allies she sought to draw closer the ties already formed in the fields of america under the auspices of victory over the ruins of tyranny to answer this speech was a task of some delicacy it was necessary to express feelings adapted to the occasion without implying sentiments with respect to the belligerent powers which might be improper to be used by the chief magistrate of a neutral country with a view to both these objects the president made the following reply born sir in a land of liberty having early learned its value having engaged in a perilous conflict to defend it having in a word devoted the best years of my life to secure its permanent establishment in my own country my anxious recollections my sympathetic feelings and my best wishes are irresistibly attracted whensoever in any country i see an oppressed nation unfurl the banners of freedom 
but above all the events of the french revolution have produced the deepest solicitude as well as the highest admiration to call your nation brave were to pronounce but common praise wonderful people ages to come will read with astonishment the history of your brilliant exploits i rejoice that the period of your toils and of your immense sacrifices is approaching i rejoice that the interesting revolutionary movements of so many years have issued in the formation of a constitution designed to give permanency to the great object for which you have contended i rejoice that liberty which you have so long embraced with enthusiasm liberty of which you have been the invincible defenders now finds an asylum in the bosom of a regularly organized government a government which being formed to secure the happiness of the french people corresponds with the ardent wishes of my heart while it gratifies the pride of every citizen of the united states by its resemblance to their own on these glorious events accept sir my sincere congratulations in delivering to you these sentiments i express not my own feelings only but those of my fellow-citizens in relation to the commencement the progress and the issue of the french revolution and they will certainly join with me in purest wishes to the supreme being that the citizens of our sister republic our magnanimous allies may soon enjoy in peace that liberty which they have purchased at so great a price and all the happiness that liberty can bestow i received sir with lively sensibility the symbol of the triumphs and of the enfranchisements of your nation the colors of france which you have now presented to the united states the transaction will be announced to congress and the colors will be deposited with the archives of the united states which are at once the evidence and the memorials of their freedom and independence may these be perpetual and may the friendship of the two republics be commensurate with their existence the address of mr Day, the answer of the president and the colors of france were transmitted to congress with a letter from the committee of safety in the house of representatives a resolution was moved requesting the president to make known to the representatives of the french republic the sincere and lively sensations which were excited by this honorable testimony of the existing sympathy and affections of the two republics that the house rejoiced in an opportunity of congratulating the french republic on the brilliant and glorious achievements accomplished during the present afflictive war and hoped that those achievements would be attended with a perfect attainment of their object the permanent establishment of the liberty and happiness of that great and magnanimous people the letter to congress having come from the committee of safety which under the revolutionary system was the department that was charged with foreign intercourse and the constitution having been afterwards adopted in france by which an executive directory was established 
to which all the foreign relations of the government were confided an attempt was made to amend this resolution by substituting the directory for the representatives of the people but this attempt failed after which the resolution passed unanimously in the senate also a resolution was offered expressive of the sensations of that house and requesting the president to communicate them to the proper organ of the french republic an amendment was moved to vary this resolution so as to express the sentiment to the president and omit the request that it should be communicated to the french republic the complimentary correspondence between the two nations had it was said reached a point when if ever it ought to close this amendment though strenuously combated by the opposition was adopted in february the treaty with great britain was returned in the form advised by the senate ratified by his britannic majesty the constitution declaring a treaty when made the supreme law of the land the president announced it officially to the people in a proclamation requiring from all persons its observance and execution a copy of which was transmitted to each house on the first of march the party which had obtained the majority in one branch of the legislature having openly denied the right of the president to negotiate a treaty of commerce was not a little dissatisfied at his venturing to issue this proclamation before the sense of the house of representatives had been declared on the obligation of the instrument the house of representatives call upon the president for papers relating to the treaty with great britain this dissatisfaction was not concealed on the second of march mr livingston laid upon the table a resolution requesting the president to lay before the house a copy of the instructions to the minister of the united states who negotiated the treaty with the king of great britain communicated by his message of the first of march together with the correspondence and other documents relative to the said treaty on the seventh of march he amended this resolution by adding the words excepting such of the said papers as any existing negotiation may render improper to be disclosed after some debate mr madison proposed to modify the amendment of mr livingston so as to accept such papers as in the judgment of the president it might be inconsistent with the interest of the united states at this time to disclose this proposition was rejected by a majority of ten voices and the discussion of the original resolution was resumed the debate soon glided into an argument on the nature and extent of the treaty-making power the friends of the administration maintained that a treaty was a contract between two nations which under the constitution the president by and with the advice and consent of the senate had a right to make and that it was made when by and with such advice and consent it had received his final act its obligations then became complete on the united states and to refuse to comply with its stipulations was to break the treaty and to violate the faith of the nation the opposition contended that the power to make treaties if applicable to every object conflicted with powers which were vested exclusively in congress 
that either the treaty-making power must be limited in its operation so as not to touch objects committed by the constitution to congress or the assent and cooperation of the house of representatives must be required to give validity to any compact so far as it might comprehend those objects a treaty therefore which required an appropriation of money or any act of congress to carry it into effect had not acquired its obligatory force until the house of representatives had exercised its powers in the case they were at full liberty to make or to withhold such appropriation or other law without incurring the imputation of violating any existing obligation or of breaking the faith of the nation the debate on this question was animated vehement and argumentative all the party passions were enlisted in it and it was protracted until the twenty fourth of march when the resolution was carried in the affirmative by sixty-two to thirty-seven voices the next day the committee appointed to present it to the chief magistrate reported his answer which was that he would take the resolution into consideration the situation in which this vote placed the president was peculiarly delicate in an elective government the difficulty of resisting the popular branch of the legislature is at all times great but is particularly so when the passions of the public have been strongly and generally excited the popularity of a demand for information the large majority by which that demand was supported the additional force which a refusal to comply with it would give to suspicions already insinuated that circumstances had occurred in the negotiation which the administration dared not expose and that the president was separating himself from the representatives of the people furnished motives not lightly to be overruled for yielding to the request which had been made george washington from the profile portrait by james sharples sharples painted two pictures of washington this portrait showing him in the costume of a country gentleman distinguished as being the only profile of the first president ever painted and a full-face presentation of him in military dress reproduced in volume four of this work sharples an english painter by birth was recommended by the great george romney as being equipped to produce a work worthy of the greatest of americans his success is attested by the praise of washington's adopted son who declared the sharples portraits to be the truest likenesses ever made and by ralph waldo emerson who saw the pictures later in england and wrote i would willingly have crossed the atlantic if only to look on these portraits courtesy herbert l pratt but these considerations were opposed by others which though less operative with men who fear to deserve the public favour by hazarding its loss possess an irresistible influence over a mind resolved to pursue steadily the path of duty however it may abound with thorns that the future diplomatic transactions of the government might be seriously and permanently affected by establishing the principle that the house of representatives could demand as a right the instructions given to a foreign minister 
and all the papers connected with the negotiation was too apparent to be unobserved nor was it less obvious that a compliance with the request now made would go far in establishing this principle the form of the request and the motives which induced it equally led to this conclusion it left nothing to the discretion of the president with regard to the public interests and the information was asked for the avowed purpose of determining whether the house of representatives would give effect to a public treaty it was also a subject for a serious reflection that in a debate unusually elaborate the house of representatives had claimed a right of interference in the formation of treaties which in the judgment of the president the constitution had denied them duties the most sacred requiring that he should resist this encroachment on the department which was particularly confided to him he could not hesitate respecting the course it became him to take and on the thirtieth of march he returned the following answer to the resolution which had been presented to him gentlemen of the house of representatives with the utmost attention i have considered your resolution of the twenty-fourth instant requesting me to lay before your house a copy of the instructions to the minister of the united states who negotiated the treaty with the king of great britain together with the correspondence and other documents relative to that treaty excepting such of the said papers as any existing negotiation may render improper to be disclosed in deliberating upon this subject it was impossible for me to lose sight of the principle which some have avowed in its discussion or to avoid extending my views to the consequences which must flow from the admission of that principle i trust that no part of my conduct has ever indicated a disposition to withhold any information which the constitution has enjoined it upon the president as a duty to give or which could be required of him by either house of congress as a right and with truth i affirm that it has been as it will continue to be while i have the honor to preside in the government my constant endeavor to harmonize with the other branches thereof so far as the trust delegated to me by the people of the united states and my sense of the obligation it imposes to preserve protect and defend the constitution will permit the nature of foreign negotiations require caution and their success must often depend on secrecy and even when brought to a conclusion a full disclosure of all the measures demands or eventual concessions which may have been proposed or contemplated would be extremely impolitic for this might have a pernicious influence on future negotiations or produce immediate inconveniences perhaps danger and mischief to other persons the necessity of such caution and secrecy was one cogent reason for vesting the power of making treaties in the president with the advice and consent of the senate the principle on which that body was formed confining it to a small number of members to admit then a right in the house of representatives to demand and to have as a matter of course all the papers respecting a negotiation with a foreign power would be to establish a dangerous precedent it does not occur that the inspection of the papers asked for can be relative to any purpose under the cognizance of the house of representatives 
except that of an impeachment which the resolution has not expressed i repeat that i have no disposition to withhold any information which the duty of my station will permit or the public good shall require to be disclosed and in fact all the papers affecting the negotiation with great britain were laid before the senate when the treaty itself was communicated for their consideration and advice the course which the debate has taken on the resolution of the house leads to some observations on the mode of making treaties under the constitution of the united states having been a member of the general convention and knowing the principles on which the constitution was formed i have ever entertained but one opinion upon this subject and from the first establishment of the government to this moment my conduct has exemplified that opinion that the power of making treaties is exclusively vested in the president by and with the advice and consent of the senate provided two-thirds of the senators present concur and that every treaty so made and promulgated thenceforward becomes the law of the land it is thus that the treaty-making power has been understood by foreign nations and in all the treaties made with them we have declared and they have believed that when ratified by the president with the advice and consent of the senate they became obligatory in this construction of the constitution every house of representatives has heretofore acquiesced and until the present time not a doubt or suspicion has appeared to my knowledge that this construction was not a true one nay they have more than acquiesced for until now without controverting the obligation of such treaties they have made all the requisite provisions for carrying them into effect there is also reason to believe that this construction agrees with the opinions entertained by the state conventions when they were deliberating on the constitution especially by those who objected to it because there was not required in commercial treaties the consent of two-thirds of the whole number of the members of the senate instead of two-thirds of the senators present and because in treaties respecting territorial and certain other rights and claims the concurrence of three-fourths of the whole number of the members of both houses respectively was not made necessary it is a fact declared by the general convention and universally understood that the constitution of the united states was the result of a spirit of amity and mutual concession and it is well known that under this influence the smaller states were admitted to an equal representation in the senate with the larger states and that this branch of the government was invested with great powers for on the equal participation of those powers the sovereignty and political safety of the smaller states were deemed essentially to depend if other proofs than these and the plain letter of the constitution itself be necessary to ascertain the point under consideration they may be found in the journals of the general convention which i have deposited in the office of the department of state in these journals it will appear that a proposition was made that no treaty should be binding on the united states which was not ratified by a law and that the proposition was explicitly rejected he declines sending them End of chapter three part four